Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. This chapter is really, or this uh, section of chapter 17 is really interesting because we're going to find that it's very prophetic concerning Saul, and uh, who was Israel's first king, and also Solomon. And we're going to look at examples of those things. And remember, the Bible is here for our nurture and our admonition. It's there for righteousness, to teach us, and, and to grow us in our faith, and to show us who God is and who we are, and the great gulf that's in between and this mediator, this Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, he is there, our mediator. He is the one in between us and a holy God who we can't see. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. In today's study, Pastor Rob analyzes God's prophetic word to the nation of Israel regarding the principles of governing kings. As students of the Bible, we know that God had no intention of setting a king over his people, and his will was for them to look to him as king. However, we learn that once Israel settled into the promised land, they insisted on having an earthly king like all the other nations around them. Although it was not what God wanted, because of his grace and mercy, he allowed it but set up guidelines. Isaiah 46.10 tells us that God declares the end from the beginning, thus always knows what's best for us. Let's join Pastor Rob now. Let's open up our Bibles to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 17. If you recall, last week we uh, got into uh, chapter 17, and for the most part, that chapter was about, you know, God just placing upon the children of Israel this stipulation that if anybody was to worship a false god, whether it's the moon, the stars, or the sun, or whatever it is, whatever, that they would be put to death, and that in the matter of... uh, and the witness of two or three witnesses would somebody be put to death and not on the, on the testimony of one person. And we talked about how that's even relevant in our own justice system today, how they do that very same thing. And there's reason for that. And so we, we talked about that, and we also looked at, in verses 8 and onward, 8 until verse 13, we looked at that if, it, if something, if there became a controversy or some kind of hard thing to judge, if it was too hard uh, for the judges to to minister because of some gray area, what they would do is they would go to the priesthood, and, and the priesthood or the judge uh, who was overseeing that, he would make that determination. And, and God says, "You you listen to that man because I'm going to give him the right counsel and the and the verdict in a sense." And in a way, that's kind of nice. Wouldn't you rather have God? I mean, can you imagine how different things would be in our world if God was able to impute to a judge? a judge who is holy, <laughs> and, and actually tell them whether the person is guilty or not. There'd probably be a lot of prisons that would be more full 
And there'd be some prisons where there'd be less people because there's some innocent people suffering and a lot of people who get off on a technicality that are really guilty. And so only God knows that. But tonight we're going to look at verses 14 through the end of the chapter, and it really speaks about principles governing kings. And this chapter is really, or this uh, section of chapter 17 is really interesting because we're going to find that it's very prophetic concerning Saul, and uh, who was Israel's first king, and also Solomon. And we're going to look at examples of those things. And remember, the Bible is here for our nurture and our admonition. It's there for righteousness, to teach us, and, and to grow us in our faith, and to show us who God is and who we are, and the great gulf that's in between, and this mediator, this Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He is there, our mediator. He is the one in between us and a holy God who we can't see We can't even imagine the glory of how great he really is. And so we're going to look into this. And so let's read through verses 14 through the end of the chapter, and then we'll go back and pick it apart here. So it says, When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. You shall surely set a king over you, whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you. You may not set, uh, I'm sorry, who is not your brother, I'm sorry. But he shall not multiply, notice, horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. And neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from from the one before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. And why? That is heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. And so as we've been looking through this book of Deuteronomy, it is, there is a lot of prophecy in the book of Deuteronomy. And you would almost think that God knew the heart of man, because he does. He knows He knows the heart of man. And so we're going to see tonight as we look through this, God is going to foretell and foreshadow and and really foretell things that aren't going to happen for at least 450 years from this moment, at least. And he's going to show them their heart and what their propensity is because he dealt with them for 40 years out in the desert. And even beside the, the historical event of the children of Israel being in the desert and the temptings and the tryings and the testings and all those things that went on there, how they were testing God and his faithfulness, testing God and his word, even in spite of all that, you know, God knows the heart and he knows what he's doing. And so let's look at uh, the first verse there again, or in verse 14, it says, when you come into the land, and I love the encouragement, when you come, not if you come to the land, God has already told them that they're going to inherit that land. He's given that land to him. So notice the, ver- notice the, the, the indicator there, circle that, because to, to you and me, that ought to be encouraging. Because if he's almighty God, he's able to do what he says. If he says he's going to do something for you, you can bet on it, he's going to do it for you. And it may not be in your timetable, 
I know this in my own life. I've seen it, God. I've seen God do this. He's told me things that, you know, that I, I, I couldn't imagine how to get from here to there. And then, lo and behold, time goes by. I mean, uh, for instance, um, let me just give you an example. In 2001, I was at the castle for uh, uh, shepherd's school, and the Lord spoke. I was the worship leader here, and still am, I guess. I, I'm kind of like uh, with Sarah. We kind of, but anyway, I was there, and um, I was in the basement, and the Lord spoke to me literally in the basement with a room full of probably 30 or some guys, and they were all snoring in the wee hours of the morning, and the Lord spoke to me so clearly, and he said to me, he says, I've given you a pastorate. And at the time, I, I woke up out of a dead sleep, and, and it startled me because it, it was like the voice was like right here in my ear. And I looked around, and all I saw was a bunch of snoring men, and, and I was really um, encouraged by that, but I was kind of spooked because... Uh, it was very real. But, you know, after that, I did like, okay, Lord, here I am. I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm happy and content doing what I'm doing, so I'll just not worry about that. This is, if, if that's your plan for me, then that's your business, and you're going to have to do it your way because I can't see it. So I just continue on. And so, uh, and then in um, 2008, I believe it was, I became ordained here as a, as a, as a pastor, but it, was, but it was really what happened recently, in the last six months or so, you know, and, and I couldn't have ordered that myself, you know, there's no way I could have uh, made something like that happen, and, and I just thank God for his faithfulness, that I wasn't striving, I wasn't, I just listened, and then I just kind of promptly forgot about it, and thought, well, here I am, Lord, if you have to, I mean, do, do you know that when God is ready to move you, you don't have to worry you don't even have to worry. If he's spoken something to your heart, you don't have to stress and help him out. And, and I can say that for myself because I was so happy and content and blessed doing what I was doing here for so many years. I would have been glad to do that until the Lord came or until I died an old man. Honestly, I was very content and very happy. But I think in order for the Lord to grow me even more, this is something else. you know. And so I didn't know that. I didn't know how to get there. So you just patiently wait, and then he does what he does. And that's just how good he is. So to me, there's no need to stress about anything because I can tell you I didn't stress about it. I didn't worry about it. And then you just find yourself one day, and then you're there. And then you're like, okay, <laughs> help. <laughs> you know. So be encouraged. So when you come into the land which the Lord your God, when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you, and you possess it and you dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. And again, God knows the heart. And he's preempting here what is going to happen several hundred years in advance in Israel's history. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 8. We're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 8 in its entirety because we're going to see something really interesting here. And it won't take us long. 1 Samuel chapter 8. It's a time you remember when the time of the judges has come and gone. Samuel is there in Israel, and he's really the, the last judge of Israel, if you, if you think of it that way. And it says in verse 8, Now it came to pass, when Samuel was old, and he made his sons judges over Israel, the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba, which is in the southern part of Israel. But his sons did not walk in his ways, and they turned aside after dishonest gain, and they took bribes. 
and perverted justice. And it says in verse 4, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together, and they came to Samuel at Ramah, where his home was. And he said to him, and they said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a, a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. And you know, it's interesting that, you know, they, they wanted to be just like all the other nations. And you know, this is peer pressure on a national level, isn't it? Because they look around and they see the king of Assyria, and they see the king of Syria, and they see the, these different kings. And every nation around them, all their enemies have kings, and they go out to war. And, but yet the children of Israel were, were kind of feeling like the black sheep, no pun intended, and they wanted to have a king like the rest of them. They wanted to be just like everybody else. You know, and it's like teenagers today. I remember when I was a teenager, I wanted so much to be myself, but I found that I was too insecure to be myself. I had to be, I had to dress, I had to talk, I had to wear the same shoes, have the same thing as everybody else. Did anybody relate to that? We kind of all went through that, didn't we? And, and, and so Israel is no different. And so they say, we want a king. In verse 8 it says, according to all the works which they have done, God is saying, the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and they've served other gods, so they are doing to you also. So God is saying to Samuel, Samuel, don't, don't worry. They, they're doing it to me. They did it to me first. Now they're doing it to you. <laughs> so now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly warn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king, and he said, This will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. Now notice, he will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen, and some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. He'll set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. And he will take the, the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, and your donkeys, and put them to his work. And he will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants." And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. You know, there is kind of a scary thing when God says, you, you, can, you can cry and you can complain, but I'm not going to hear you. For the most part, we don't have to worry about that. I mean, but there have been occasions. Remember when Jeremiah was pleading for the sins of the people in, in Jerusalem. And there came a point when God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, stop praying. And, and that's something we ought, we ought to continue doing until the Lord tells us to stop. But he told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, it's gone too far. They've crossed the Rubicon, the point of no return. Now I have to mete out judgment. It's coming, and it's on its way, and there's nothing that's going to stop it. So don't even pray. And that's a really hard thing, and that's a scary place to be, especially if you're the beneficiary of the judgment that's coming. He says in verse 19, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will. Notice the will of the people. We will. We will. The mob mentality. Is the mob always right? Most of the time, the mob is always wrong. 
whenever there's a big mob of people out in the society and they're holding pickets and things are getting really ugly, chances are they're just completely wrong. (laughs) Most of the time they're just wrong. They refuse to obey. No, we will have, we will have a king over us, but we also, that we may also be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice, Samuel, and make them a king. Make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man go to his city. And in chapter 9, we can see that God or that Samuel goes out and he's searching. And, and the, 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 the account goes about uh, how Saul's father had lost his donkeys. And so Saul and a servant is going out to look for those donkeys. And, and God reveals to Samuel that there is going to be a man from Benjamin who is going to come to him the very next day. And he's going to see him and he'll, he will make, make him aware, make Samuel aware who this new king is going to be, because God's going to ask him to anoint him as king over the people. But notice, I want you to look at something, and in, in, um, uh, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 10. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, um, Samuel finally does. Uh, he invites Saul to a meal in a high place a place of uh, sacrifice, and, and, and there they have dinner. And, and the next day, Saul anoints, I'm sorry, Samuel anoints Saul as the king of Israel. But I want you to notice what happens in verse 17 of that chapter. It says, Then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, I delivered them from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of the kingdoms, of all kingdoms, and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God, who himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have said to him, No, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. And so remember that the king has already been anointed. Samuel has already anointed Saul, but God, he even allows uh, God to intervene again and, and go through a process of elimination by using a lot or casting lots or Urim and Thummim. We don't really know exactly what they did there, but some kind of lot was cast for these different tribes. And finally, it says, it says, And when Samuel caused all the tribes to come near, verse 20, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen, and Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, notice, he could not be found. And therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. <laughs> so they ran, and they brought him from there. And when he, stood about the, when he stood among the people, notice, I want you to notice something, he was taller Uh, than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? And so all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. And then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty, and he wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gabeah, and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, How can this man save us? So they despised him, and they brought him no presents. <laughs> they brought him no presents. But he held his peace. Notice, he held his peace. 
It's a peculiar scripture there that we just read, verses 17 through 27, because, you know, you think of, of that the people wanted this king so bad, and then right in Saul's presence, Samuel is telling not only King Saul, but also all the people, this is the result of your rejection of God, this king. Can you imagine how that must have made Saul feel? You know, it's one thing if you're being anointed king, there's been a battle, the one king dies, and you're the next guy in command. Yay! You know, you're the guy, right? And, but it wasn't like this for, for Saul. Samuel saying, because you've rejected God, this is your king. Notice how beautiful he is. He's tall. He's beautiful. Good-looking. Notice, cur- notice the curly locks. We don't really know what's, what uh, Saul looked like, but he was, he was tall. And most people associate leadership with stature. And people in our country especially, they associate uh, leadership qualities with physical appearance and how well they can speak. Verse 15, we're back in um, Deuteronomy. He says, You shall surely set a king over you, whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren, who, brethren, you shall set as king over you, sorry, and you may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. And, you know, God gave them what they wanted. And like I said before, you know, at least in our country and in most parts of the world, whenever people choose or they think of a leader, they think of stature and wealth and physical appearance. They think of their education, their lineage, or their pedigree. But these things don't necessarily make a king, do they? You know, there have been American presidents, you know, that were elected. They went to the Ivy League schools. They had all the right degrees. They were able to speak very well in public. But they plunged our country into darkness. And they, they, they passed policies that were very anti-Christ. But we notice here, you know, when God, in the, in the verse there, you shall set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses from among your brethren, and they chose Saul, who was a Bethlehem, or, or he was from uh, Benjamin. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, excuse me. And we're going to look at some, some scriptures here because the king of Judah would never have come from Benjamin. And you can just see how the Lord allowed them to have their choice. Because as they thought about a king and they saw Saul, or Samuel, I'm sorry, Saul, I get those confused because they sound similar. So bear with me if I mess it up again. Um, so Saul was exactly what they wanted. There's our leader. He's tall and handsome. And yet God knew exactly what Saul was all about. And they wanted this tall and handsome king. And they chose according to the flesh and not according to the Spirit of God. And why do I say that? Because in Genesis, now you might just want to, I'm going to um, say some verses here, write the reference down, and I'll just read them to you for the sake of time. When we look in Genesis chapter 49, remember when Jacob was on his deathbed, he gave a, basically his last farewell address to his 12 sons. And what did he say? He says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. The scepter, the one who's going to be king, he is not going to depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, which is a reference to Jesus Christ. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. So we see that from Judah is going to be the king of Israel. It's been prophesied 
a long time ago, even to the, from this moment that we're speaking of. And in Psalm chapter 60, verse 7, Psalm 60, verse 7, it says, Gilead is mine, and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet for my head. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.